0: God has no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the truth. We are dedicated to letting the truth of God's word lead us. You are listening to One Truth Ministries Podcast. Here is your host, Ashley Pocine. Hello, welcome back to One Truth. Thanks for tuning in. We are going through our series who is God? What is God like? We are studying the incommunicable and the communicable attributes of God. And it is exciting. It is thrilling. And it is a privilege to get to know who our God is. If we spend the rest of our minds and the rest of our lives uh, thinking on, contemplating, meditating on who God is, we would have lived our life well. There's no greater uh, um, quest we could be on than to know more about who our God is. He says, this is eternal life, that they know me and Jesus Christ, um, whom he sent. That is eternal life, knowing our God and obeying him. And so we're so excited. This is part two, if you are just tuning in for the first time, part two of um, the omniscience of God. omniscience of God. Last week, we started with part one. This week, we're carrying on with part two, and we are going to jump right in after a brief prayer, if you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your presence and your majesty. We thank you, God, that you are sovereign, that you are supreme. God, that you are all knowing. And so today we humbly come before you. We ask Holy Spirit that even through these airwaves and through our phones and computers and anywhere else we are, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in us, that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. And God, would you bring us to our knees in worship, in awe of you. Would you please impart to us that which we need to carry out in our daily lives, change us, transform us. And Lord, may you be uh, given glory through our very existence. We live to glorify you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, we are talking about the omniscience of God. We all know people, I think, who think they know plenty. We know a lot of people, I am sure, who think that they know everything. But I want to tell you and remind you yet again, there is only one who knows it all, and who actually can claim that title. If you forget what omniscience means, it comes from two words, omni, meaning all, and science, which is is knowledge. So what we're saying is God has all knowledge, all knowledge, past, present, future. God knows uh, the end from the beginning before time began. And now God knows it all. And last week we talked about several of those. God, God even knows the what ifs. We're going through a list right now of just some of the things God knows. And I would encourage you to go back and listen. Um, if you're not sure where we are, just because I'm jumping back in kind of midstream here, um, and carrying on with our conversation from last week. So let's, let's hit this next one. God knows because God knows all, right? Past, present, future, from eternity past to eternity future. God knows it all. God knows big things and God knows the little things. If you were to read Isaiah 45, you're going to see God already proclaim and prophesy that there would be a king coming. There would be a leader coming named Cyrus, and he lists out in great detail exactly what Cyrus is going to do. It is astounding. If you go back into your history books and you start uncovering uh, history, you're going to see that God predicted everything down to the little tiny details of Cyrus, his rule, his reign, what he did. Cyrus himself uh, refusing to believe in God, yet... He acknowledged God. He knew it was God who must have done this. In fact, several times he would say the God of the Hebrews granted me this opportunity and led me to do such and such. God used him time and time again. And I would encourage you to read the 45th chapter of Isaiah to see exactly what God predicted. And you will find each of it, uh, each of those things to be true and have come to pass. God knows the big things already, the small things. Uh, He knows, of course, he had predicted uh, Christ's death over and over again, Uh, again, down to the last detail. God made sure we knew that he knew all that was to come. And not only did he know it, he had planned it, he had purposed it, uh, he had predestined it. And, And those facts are incredibly important for us to understand when coming to know our God. He knows, like I said, the big things and the small things, some of those big things, like I said, Cyrus ruling over the known world at that time, Jesus um, and his coming, his redemption of us. In Acts 2 23, it says this, but God already knew what would happen, and he prearranged his plan, and it was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. Of course, he was nailed to a cross and killed. But it says God knew what would happen. Not only did he know it, he had prearranged his plan and carried it out. God knows the huge things. He knows every star he put in the sky. Psalm 147 tells us he calls them out by name. God knows each one. He brings them out in their turn at night, the big things. But we also have to remember he knows even the little things. Even the little things. We have to remember in Matthew, um, chapter ten and verse thirty, God says this, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. The very hairs on your head, you talk about a little detail. I mean, God knows the hairs that are on my head, not just the huge things as far as who's going to rule and what kingdom is going to prevail and who will rise and who will fall and the coming of the Messiah and the the death of the Messiah and the redemption of mankind. God knows it all, of course, but he even knows the tiniest little details like the hair on my head and also every bird in the sky. Luke 12, verse six, it says, what is the price of five sparrows? He goes on to say two copper coins, yet God does not forget a single one of them. He does not forget a single one of them. He knows each and every sparrow intimately. That's amazing to me. There are no little things with God. God cares and has knowledge and input for all parts of our lives. If we were to acknowledge that He knows and cares about every moment of our life, maybe we would begin to consult Him even in what seems to be the little things. Because I can tell you from um, time and time again, much, much, much experience, that when we begin to acknowledge Him, even in the little decisions that we have in our day, He cares about them. And when we do that, we get to watch Him take those little things and turn them into big things. He takes those small things that we were thinking about and turns them into big things. You know, I had a couple people on my callback list not too uh, many days ago, just a few days ago, where I had to decide, okay, I can only call one of these people back. Who should I call back? And I'm telling you, when you get into the habit and you go, God, who should I call today? Who Who is it that's on your heart? How can I partner with your agenda? How can I partner with what you're doing? You know it all and you know the exact conversation, Lord, that you want me to have. So who do I call? And when you submit that to him, you will watch him lead you, speak to you, and take over in those small things. And they very soon become big things because the person he laid on my heart to call, uh, it turned out was an incredibly needed conversation that reaffirmed uh, their faith and brought them back to God in a moment that they were drifting. God knows, and we get to be involved in that when we start realizing he knows the big things and he knows the little things. And when we surrender those little things to him, we get to watch those things become big, become mighty for his purpose. And that to me is just incredible. I want us to know that God knows each one of us. Now, these are things we know, and we may uh, you know, have heard this most of our life. And yet I want us to grasp the truth in this and uh, the power behind it. God knows each one of us. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you. As my prophet to the nations, he's speaking to Jeremiah, and yet the same is true for each and every one of us. Before you were born, do you talk about him predestining. Listen to this. Before you were born, I set you apart. He had already appointed Jeremiah for the work he was going to call him to do on this earth as prophet to the nations. See, we got to understand God knows things about us we don't even know about ourselves. Like we just said, he knows the hairs on our head. He knows the number of our days. He knows the plans that he has for us, things we do not know about ourselves. Second Corinthians 12, two through four, it says, I know a man in Christ. Of course, Paul is speaking of himself here who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. And he says this, God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. He says, look, I don't know what happened to me in that situation, but God does. God knows the things about us that we do not know, that we do not know. 2 Kings 19.27 says, I know where you are. I know when you come and I know when you go. And I know how you rage against me. He even knows how we rage against him on the inside of our hearts. Psalm 33.15 says, he forms all their thoughts. He knows everything that they do. Everything that they do. Matthew 6, um, 8 and 31 through 32. I'll, I'll just go into that one. He says, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And yet your heavenly father already knows you need them. Think of how our prayers might change. Listen to Jesus in verse seven. He says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask of him. Think about how our prayers would change if we would understand that God knows even the things we do not know. He already knows them. We don't have to keep babbling on the same words over and over again or try to find all the right words or or come up with some great prayer. God already knows the needs we have, the desires of our hearts, and we simply can articulate them and bring them to him. He already knows. You know, you think about um, Psalm 139, and it's just, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. If we go back to that, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You know my thoughts from afar. You know my going out and my lying down. You know all my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand on me, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too lofty for me to attain. He knows everything about us. He knows everything about us. Matthew 6, 4 says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your giving is done in secret. Then your Father, who knows what is done in secret, will reward you. We have to remember this. God knows everything act of ours, every choice of our words. He knows the thoughts in our mind before we ever actually do them. He knows every act of kindness that you do when nobody is looking. He sees it. He sees how you pick up that trash on the ground and go throw it away when nobody's even looking. He sees how you help somebody uh, without their knowledge. Every song of worship you sing to him when you're just vacuuming your house or doing dishes, he sees that. Every moment you stop in your day to thank him, every kind word you say about somebody that they'll never know because you're saying it behind their back. That's a good kind of talking about about somebody behind their back. Every kind word you say about someone that they're never going to know, the generous way you give. But we also have to know he knows the flip side, doesn't he? He also knows the other secret part of us. Psalm 44:21 says, If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, so if we begin to worship anything other than God, would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of our hearts? Hebrews 4:13 assures us nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Psalm 69, 5, God, how you know how foolish I am. My sins are not hidden from you. Proverbs 21, 2 says, A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. God knows every website we visit. Hear me on this. He knows every email that we read and send. He knows every text you write. And listen to me. He knows every thought behind every text that you write. He knows what you focus your eyes on, what you lust after. He knows when you cheat and when you lie. He knows that thing you do in the dark when you are all alone. He knows every word you speak behind another's back. He knows every unspoken thought you think. He knows the motives behind every action and every conversation. He knows the true heart behind every prayer and every deed. This is why the Bible can say without mistake, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous, not one on our own. And I wonder if we live with the knowledge that our ways are always before him. You know, it reminds me a lot of um, that old Jim Carrey movie. Maybe some of you have seen it. Um, goodness, I'm trying to remember what it was called. I think maybe it was called um, The Truman Show. Something like that it was Jim Carrey's old movie. And I'm going to tell you something. This movie, it. Wreaked havoc in my life for a long time. It really messed me up. If you're not familiar with it, Jim Carrey plays this guy who's going about life having no idea that his entire existence is filmed by millions of hidden cameras all over the place, and the whole world is watching his life, even the secret things he does. And, and the world is just entranced with it because they're watching a guy who has no idea he's being watched. And so he goes through his whole life, his day-to-day business, you know, business he doesn't want people seeing, some that he would, but he goes through the whole thing. And it's so messed with me because I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, could you imagine if somebody was watching every little thing you did? Well, I hope we know that that's actually true. That's our life. Another way, maybe, that I would share this with you is a while ago, I was um, given the opportunity to go to a Gonzaga game. And if you come from the state of Washington, that's exciting. But, you know, living in Spokane at the time, I was able to go to a Gonzaga game and loved it. But it was hysterical because they have very certain rules there. One of them is you cannot carry anything into their facilities unless it is in a Gonzaga see-through bag. So they issue you a bag. Everything that you would bring in with you has to be in that bag to go through security and get into the game. And I knew this, thank goodness, you know, right beforehand, somebody actually gave me one and said, hey, you got to take this in with you. But it absolutely astonished me, especially being a woman, if you think about some of the things that we might carry for personal reasons. But I started thinking anything I bring in is going to be open for all to see. Like, I better be careful what I'm bringing in here. Everybody is going to get to see what I'm carrying into this uh, game with me. And I started thinking about that because this is our life carried by God. Our lives are, is that see-through bag. He knows every detail of what is in our lives. He sees through it all, and he knows all that we're bringing with us. He sees through all that we are, and he knows all that we bring. We have to be reminded of that. God sees it all. Our lives are laid bare for him all day, every day, every year of our lives. So I want us to uh, tackle an important question. If God knows everything, then why does he ask questions of us? If he really knows everything, why is he asking us so many questions? Because I'll tell you something, God is a question asking God. In fact, he asks the most amazing questions. I have been fascinated and at some point want to do a series on the questions God asks because they are amazing. I am fascinated with this. All the questions God asks us. To Adam, he asks, where are you? Genesis 3, 9. Again, to Adam, he says, who told you that you were naked? To Eve, he says, what is this you have done? To Job, he says, where were you when I dot, 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 because he fills in the whole of creation. Where were you when I formed the universe? Where were you when I put boundaries on the sea? Where were you? To Jonah, he asks him, is it right for you to be angry? Then you have to think about all the questions Jesus asks. Can any of you, by worrying, at a single moment to your lifespan? He says, why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye and yet fail to perceive the wooden beam in your own? He asks again in Matthew 8, 26, why are you terrified? One of my favorite questions in John 5, 6, do you want to be well? Matthew 16, 15, one of the most important questions ever asked, who do you say that I am? God is a question asking God. And if we think about it, it seems kind of funny, doesn't it? He knows it all already. He knows everything from beginning to end. The things out there for everybody to see, and the secret things. So why in the world does God ask questions of us? It reminds me of this little kid who started school. I believe it was last year um, when I when I got to uh, hear this. But this little kid just started school. You're talking a kindergartner, brand new. But boy, was he on top of things. He spent all day at school. Came home. His mom was so excited to talk to him, and she goes, "Hey, how was your first day of school, honey?" And he literally looked at her, and he goes, "Mom, I'm not going back." That was ridiculous. And she she was, of course, what? You know, what are you talking about? Why are you saying that? Mom, it is completely useless for me to go back to school. I learn nothing because my teacher knows nothing. And she had to keep asking him, what do you mean your teacher knows nothing? And he goes, just what I said, mom, she's dumb. She doesn't know a single thing. Mom, do you know she had to ask me my name and how to spell it? She had to ask me what the sound of an A makes, Are you kidding me? She asked me how to count to 10. Mom, she doesn't even know what the city is that we live in. She had to ask us. She doesn't know anything. And it just cracked me up when I heard that because I thought, what an insightful kid uh, to think this way. And yet that's kind of, I think, sometimes what we would feel like. Why is God asking us anything? He knows it all, doesn't he? God questions us, not because he does not already know the answer, but because he wants us to know the answer. When he asks us today, where are you? He wants us to acknowledge the guilt that keeps us hiding from him and be brought into the light. When he asks us, who told you that? He wants us to think about what we have chosen to believe and who exactly it was that told us that. A very important question. Who are we listening to? When he asks us, is it right for you to be? He wants us to confront our own prejudice, our own self-righteousness and judgment against others so that we can be free. When he asks us, where were you when I did these things? He wants us to know and recognize who he is and be comforted and assured. When he asks us repeatedly, who do you say that I am? He wants us to declare with the boldness the truth of who he is to our doubts and to our fears over and over and over again. We can go on and on with this, but God asks us questions to draw us out and to impart to us his knowledge. It's not that God doesn't know. It's that at that moment, we do not know. It's not God that has forgotten. It is us who has forgotten. Hearing ourselves say something out loud is incredibly powerful. I had the opportunity at a certain point to share the gospel with a group of, of Mormon gals and while we were going through that process, what I found out is it was a powerful thing for them to be able to say the answers to some of these questions out loud, uh, answers they had never voiced before. And all of a sudden they began to hear what it was that they say out loud. They started to hear some of the their own uh, false doctrine out loud and, and hear scripture backed up from it and to see, oh, this doesn't mat- match up. Why do I believe this? Who would I say Jesus is? Because it's not matching up. It's powerful to hear ourselves say it. So God asks us the questions. God knows exactly what, which is, what is in each of our bags. He wants us to be sure that we know what's in there too. You see, he knows what's in our bags. The question is, do we? He wants us to know the power of what we carry with us and who exactly is the source of that power. He knows everything. So what do we do with this knowledge? What do we do now that we understand God is omniscient? He is all knowing that our lives are laid bare before him, that he knows the beginning from the end and exactly what's taking place even right now in our own nation. I want to give you four things. What do we do with this knowledge? Number one, be constantly amazed. Be constantly amazed amazed in Psalm 139 verse 6 which I had um, read to you a little bit earlier it says such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain that word wonderful is actually at the beginning of this sentence if you were to read it in its original um, text wonderful it says is your knowledge God Wonderful. This word means extraordinary, surpassing. God's knowledge is too wonderful to us and we should be constantly amazed, constantly in awe, constantly in worship that this is our God, all knowing and beyond our understanding. What do we do first with the fact that God is omniscient? I mean, um, is yes, all knowing and omniscient. We are constantly amazed. The second thing is we need to be comforted. We remember Hagar, the story of uh, um, the woman who Sarah gave to Abraham when she tried to, you know, jump ahead of God, not realizing God really did know what he was talking about. And so we know this story and Hagar is eventually kicked out with Ishmael and she's going to die. She cries out to God. And in Genesis chapter 16, I would encourage you to read it again. She calls him the God who sees me the God who sees me. God knew her and saw her and purposed to save her before she even cried out to him. It's the same with us. God knew us and saw us before we were ever created. And with that full knowledge, he chose us and he chose to save us. Ephesians tells us that he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Charles Spurgeon once said that I know he must have chosen me before I was born, because there was nothing in me after I was born that would cause him to choose me. Amen to that. But you see, that's just it. God chose you knowing full well everything about you already. There is nothing that will make him change his mind. He knew everything you were going to do, everything you did, everything you will do still, and there is nothing that would make him change his mind. You have no skeletons hidden in your closet that God could possibly find out about. He has always known them all already and still he chose you. Be comforted. And because God knows you, because he cares about you, he desires to see you set free more and more and more. And that's why we would also say, be convicted. We know we should be constantly amazed. We should be comforted, but we also should be convicted. God does know everything about you. He knows your heart and thoughts and, mo- and motives. I'd encourage you to read 2 Kings chapter 5. You'll get a really close-up look at what this looks like. With Ananias and Sapphira, uh, you can read it in Acts chapter 5, 1 through 11. God knows literally everything that you're going to do in your hearts, your thoughts, and your motives. Nothing is hidden from God. He knows it all. What will it take for us to not just understand this truth, but to live like it? It takes the Holy Spirit to turn information into transformation. Amen. All knowledge belongs to God. That is why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom for us. Psalm 94, nine through 11 says, does he who fashioned the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eyes not see? Does he who disciplines nation not punish? Does he who teaches mankind lack knowledge? The Lord knows all human plans. Be convicted. Know that God knows. Don't try to get one over on him. Don't try to hide your sin Say no to sin, kill sin, put your old self off because God sees and knows it all, even knows your motives. Be constantly amazed, be comforted, be convicted, and finally, be constantly asking God to bring awareness and transformation to your lives. We must get to the place of David where this truth is reality in our lives, that God knows all be constantly asking him to bring this awareness and transformation to us. Psalm 119, 168 says, I obey your precepts and your statues for all my ways are known to you. Psalm 51, 3 says, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. How does he know that? Because he asks God in Psalm 139, 23 to 24, he asks him this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Be constantly amazed, be comforted, be convicted, and be constantly asking God, to bring awareness and transformation. And you know what? I'm going to throw a last one in there just because we have a tiny bit of time. Be careful in making judgments. Knowing that, God's, uh, knowing that knowledge is God's and is God's alone. It makes sense, hopefully, to us now that we are not to judge. We do not know the secret things. Those belong to God. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Do not make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for He will bring our darkest secrets to light and reveal our private motives. Then God, God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Judgment belongs to God because knowledge belongs to God. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Our God is all-knowing. He has all knowledge. Be comforted by this. Be constantly amazed at this. Be convicted. Be continually asking Him to bring this to our awareness and to transform us and be careful in making judgments. Only God knows everything and all knowledge belongs to Him. What a mighty God we serve. You know we can rest in Him because of that. He knows it all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your truth goes out and never returns void. God, would you bring this to our minds continually that you know it all? Let us be kept from sin even with that knowledge. Let us be comforted by that knowledge. Let us praise you and worship you because our God, the King of Kings, has all knowledge. It all belongs to you, Lord. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.